You are listening to episode 42, Everybody Poops, Potty Training Basics. Hey everyone, welcome to the Peds Doc Talk podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mona, where each week I hope to educate and inspire you in your journey through parenthood with information on your most common concerns as a parent and interviews with fellow parents and experts in the field. My hope is you leave each week feeling more educated, confident, and empowered in the decisions you make for your child. Welcome to this week's episode where I am discussing a topic that so many of my followers at Pete's Dog Talk DM me about, which is potty training. And I am so excited to welcome Allison, who is the owner and founder of Potty Training Consultant and has her own Instagram page and website, Potty Training Consultant on Instagram. And she's going to be discussing potty training with me today. Thank you so much, Allison, for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm happy to be here. So how long have you been doing potty training consulting and why did you um, start this path? Yes, I know it's um, it's somewhat unusual. I think most parents would find um, to choose to want to do potty training. Um, but I've been doing potty training uh, professionally now for about three and a half years um, as, you know, as my business. And it's been going amazingly um, because there's so many parents out there that need that extra support when it comes to potty training. So those of you that are struggling, please don't feel bad and don't feel alone because it happens to so many people. Um, and I got started in potty training from uh, being a mom myself. So I have two of my own little ones. Um, they're now four and six years old, but I, I first developed kind of a little passion for potty training when I was potty training my son. And um, I just really loved it. Something about seeing him develop this new skill and seeing how proud he was of himself and, and all those kinds of things that got wrapped up into it um, really made me really made me kind of love it. And, uh, and then I kind of, you know, started just pouring all my research into it and seeing how many parents kind of, you know, struggle with this. A lot of family and friends would ask me for advice because my son kind of made it look easy. <laughs> um, and then my daughter, when I potty trained her a couple of years later, she was the total opposite. So I've, I've had it both ways. I've had one really easy and one really, really hard. Um, so that was kind of what made me realize that there's no one size fits all approach to potty training and that, uh, you know, there needs to be more reliable resources out there for parents who are struggling. And that was my goal in creating my business is that I just wanted to bring that help because there's so many, um, experts and consultants in other fields for parenting. So, and why not potty training when it can be such a challenge for so many? So I agree. It is a challenge and you brought it up beautifully that there is no one size fits all approach. You know, we talk about sleep, behavior, all the different things in parenting. Every parent is different. And like you said, perfectly, every child is different too. So even within the same family, you could do a certain method with your older child. And then the second child is not going to take to that method. So I think it's so nice that parents are going to be able to hear a few different methods and understand that there is no one size fits all approach. Are most of your clients a certain age? So, um, I, I mean, I've worked with families from from all ages, anywhere from as young as 14 months up to um, 11 years old. So it really varies, but most of it, about 85% of my clients fall between three and four years old, um, which kind of aligns with the 
um, with the average potty training age in the U.S. And um, that tends to be where, where most of the kids fall. So, yeah, let's talk about averages, actually. So what is the average age in terms of, uh, you know, in the U.S. for boys and girls? Is it different? Is it the same? It's um, It varies by a couple of months, but uh, the average overall is right around um, 36 months. Um, for girls, it's a little bit on the younger end. I think girls is around 32 months and boys are around 38 months. So it kind of averages out right around 36 and you mentioned that in the U.S., um, in other countries, do you feel like it's earlier or later? Actually, yeah. In a lot of countries, um, you know, especially in Eastern cultures, um, it tends to be a lot younger. Most kids um, are potty trained somewhere between 12 and 18 months in those countries. Um, and it's just, I think it's more of a cultural difference. And it has a lot to do with the accessibility and availability of disposable diapers, I think, um, as well as having more of a um, kind of a family support system, you know, families here tend to, um, you know, live just mom, dad, and kids, whereas, you know, in other countries, they have more of a family, like, group-type living. So there's a lot of factors that play into it, but I do find it to be younger in a lot of other countries. Yeah, I agree. You know, a lot of the the thought process of why it might be a little bit later, and there's nothing wrong with it being later, it's just that, right. like you said, the... Um, a child may not be ready, but also the diapers are super absorbent. We have accessibility to diapers and, you know, it's just, it's nice. Um, and I do see sometimes parents wait when maybe their child can be ready earlier. And we'll get into, you know, signs of readiness and tips and all that in this episode. But I, I agree too that I do see a difference in Western or United States versus, you know, developing countries or Eastern countries. So do you feel that toddlers should start potty training at a certain time or when they show certain signs of readiness or is it a combination of both? Yeah. So it's kind of a combination of both the child's age um, and, you know, developmental readiness, and then also a combination of your family's lifestyle and timeline and um, daily routines and things like that have to come come into play as well. Um, so usually I've, I've kind of honed it in for, you know, average children that, you know, the ideal kind of age to start potty training, at least introducing the concept of potty training is between 22 and 28 months, um, which is uh, lower than the average right now in the U.S., but that tends to be the age that kids are most um, developmentally ready for the process, as in their, you know, well, from a biological perspective, they're starting to have more control over their bladder and their bowels, um, you know, and then developmentally as well, they're starting to become more aware of their body. And, uh, you know, you may notice that they start to ask to have their diaper changed when they're wet or dirty or uh, just having a general interest in the bathroom, wanting to know what's going on in there, um, hiding to have a bowel movement. Maybe they're staying dry for naps and overnight now where they weren't before. So those are some of the kind of signs that you can look for. But it's also important, too, that you can't nail it down to just a specific age or number because you have to also consider your your daily life and make sure that potty training is something that can fit in your, your lifestyle without being super stressful for your child or for the parents. Um, so you don't want to introduce potty training when there's a lot of change taking place. Um, you know, if you're moving or having a new baby or going through a divorce or something like that, you want to wait until life is kind of settled down and as normal as possible <laughs> before you introduce potty training to, to keep it smooth and consistent for everyone. 
Yeah, very similar to a lot of the other things we do in parenting. Like I said earlier, sleep, um, if you're trying to modify a certain behavior, it takes that repetition and also that persistence and patience. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can take, like with sleep, and if you're trying to change, like I said, something in the behavior, it can change. It can take a few days to a week or two weeks to finally start to see changes. So when you're kind of going through like different life's changes, a new sibling comes into the picture or, you know, you're moving, like you said, it can really disrupt that sort of repetition that we like to see when we're trying to quote unquote train, train a child. Exactly. Um, So what are the various methods? You mentioned beautifully the signs of readiness and you have two children who kind of did uh, different kind of methods probably, but what would you say are, two or maybe three methods that a family can use? Um, Sure. So you can kind of narrow it down into um, like a longer, more drawn out kind of gradual approach. And then there's kind of the like the three day or the weekend methods that you hear about where it's almost like a um, like a boot camp type kind of session. Um, So, you know, with a longer kind of more gradual introduction to potty training would be where um, the parent starts, you know, really at any age with having a small potty, letting the child become familiar with it, um, teaching them things about the bathroom or reading books about using the potty together, um, talking them through the steps of going to the bathroom when, when the parents are going to the bathroom themselves. Um, you know, kind of all leading up to uh, to the child using it eventually, you know, you can start out with um, just them using the potty at one set time per day um, until they start to get more comfortable and more confident with using it. And before you, you decide to go in and ditch the diapers all at one time, or you can take more of a um, what a lot of people feel will be a faster approach. And that's just to kind of choose a weekend and uh, take off all the diapers and let pro- probably involves letting the child run around naked for a certain period of time, trying to um, catch as much pee and poop in the potty as possible. And uh, so that would be kind of more of the three day type method that is, is quite popular nowadays. I feel like with, um, parents' working schedules, that tends to to fit in a little bit better than trying to do something more long-term. Yeah, I find the the shorter method, that method is actually my preferred method. But of course, I like talking about the other ones in case that that method doesn't stick or in case the family is not amenable to that because they're obviously with the you know, uh, diaper off, maybe even using just regular underwear or being completely naked, there's likely going to be accidents on the floor. Um, there's likely, likely they're not going to make it to the toilet all the time. So some families, you know, in my office will say, Oh, well, you know, I have carpet and I don't feel comfortable. And then you have the other options too. So I think I agree. There's those, those two options there. Do you feel like you can kind of say based on the child or the parent, well, this method might be better for, um, a family? Yeah, so both factors kind of come into play. Um, it definitely has to be something that, you know, works for your family and your schedule and your beliefs and all of those kinds of things. But um, I usually find that kids t- that tend to be uh, more on the stubborn end of the spectrum or that may have more difficulty with change tend to do better with a more gradual approach um, so that that way, you know, you can kind of get them on board with the process without any pressure for them to actually do anything um, before you dive in and actually get rid of diapers. Uh, that tends to help them prepare mentally a little bit more for the upcoming changes. Whereas if you have like a, a kiddo that's pretty laid back, then um, you can do the the weekend method with really no issue and they tend to take to it pretty quickly. Does the gradual method 
uh, usually involve some sort of reward system like sticker charts if the child's older? Or really, does that just depend on what they want to do with the gradual method? Yeah, that kind of depends. Um, usually, I don't recommend uh, using rewards necessarily until you're actually in the throes of potty training, where you're actually rewarding potty use. Um, you know, it's it's definitely encouraged to praise and, um, you know, you can even do like a little sticker or something like that for their efforts as far as sitting on the potty. Um, but when you're just kind of in that building up to phase, then rewards aren't really needed just yet. Awesome. And if you're doing a gradual method, does that just look like uh, them, obviously, if they're showing an interest or showing signs, taking them to the potty? Or would you recommend them doing like timed use of the potty where it's, hey, it's noon, let's use the potty? Or is that just also kind of cater to the family? Yeah, well, transitional times are always a great time to have potty use because it fits really easily into the routine and um, it can be, you know, it can be a step that's easily added into the child's everyday routine already. So, um, you know, like waking up in the morning, um, after meals, before sleep time, before leaving the house, those are all really good transitional points to introduce potty use. And, um, and you know, that's, again, something that can fit pretty seamlessly into the child's routine without causing too much disruption. Um, aside from that, though, I really try to get parents to shy away from using like timers and things like that when their kiddos are sitting on the potty, just mm -hmm. because I find that, um, the child can start to become dependent on a prompt from their parent um, or their, you know, their bladder or bowels may never get full enough to uh, have their bodies recognize those sensations of when they really need to go. So I find that it really encourages and, um, you know, accelerates self-initiation when you aren't using those prompted potty times aside from those transitional periods. No, that's a great point. I agree with that also. And also the timer also can add to stress on the potty yes. sometimes. And we mm -hmm. maybe we'll get into that a little bit, but there is that sort of component that we don't want to pressure too much. It's that fine balance of supporting. And like you said, encouraging, but also not making this a scary thing because some children can get very scared of the process of poop coming out of their body and splashing into the toilet. So yes. um, it's, it's something very common that I think parents may not realize that that can be scary for a kid. What do you do if a child is showing signs of readiness? You mentioned the signs of readiness earlier, mm -hmm. but they're resistant, meaning they're fighting it. They You put them on the toilet and they just kick their legs and they're just not you know, liking that sort of experience. What would be kind of a uh, gradual way or some tips to kind of helping parents who deal with that? Yeah, so for kids that are resistant, it can be it can be really confusing for parents because it can kind of send the uh, the false message that they're not ready for potty training, which might not necessarily be true. It's just uh, kind of a child's natural, um, you know, like defense mechanism to fight against any kind of change in their routine sometimes. So uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're not ready. And um, really, I, I always stress that consistency and commitment have to be present in order for you to see success with potty training. So you can't really be bouncing around too much between, um, you know, between diapers and underwear, because it's going to send some mixed messages and the child's not really going to fully know what's expected of them. 
Um, it's definitely okay to set some clear boundaries when it comes to potty training as with any kind of, um, you know, behavioral aspect. Um, but ultimately, I always tell parents, you know, to kind of search down in, in those instincts, those parental instincts and, and see like, you know, are they really not ready for this? Or is it just, are they just being difficult? Like, are they just being resistant to the change? Um, and Sometimes, like I mentioned earlier, kids that tend to, to be that way, and you may have noticed that in other aspects of their development, that you can take more of that gradual approach to get them on board with the process before you actually start. So that way, um, they kind of see it coming. And it's not just, um, you know, something that you're blindsiding them with one weekend when you decide that, you know, you have three days off in a row, so you're going to uh, have them use the potty <laughs> instead of a diaper. Um, so that's that's usually what I tell parents to think about, before, you know, when they're experiencing those kind of issues. And does it matter if you put the toilet on the on the regular toilet? Obviously, they have the one there and then they have the one on the ground. Do you have a preference on which one to use? Well, it depends. I usually like a healthy combination of both because um, it will help with the transition from, you know, potty to toilet and toileting and other uh, places, especially out in public or at family members' houses and things like that or at school. Um, so by introducing both from the beginning is usually an ideal situation. If you have a child that's on the younger end of the spectrum or is petite, um, or if they've had issues with pooping particularly in the past, then a floor potty can really be a friend for you um, because it's um, it's their size. It's less intimidating than the toilet. There's a lot less sensory stuff happening with the small potty than there is the, the regular toilet. Um, and it also puts them in a better position for, for having bowel movements than um, if their feet are just kind of dangling when they're sitting on the toilet instead. And so going back to the, you know, gradual methods in terms of if a child is more resistant, mm -hmm. does things like preparing them obviously for the potty training that may happen, that can be helpful, but things like reading, like reading books about potty training, having them see the parent use the restroom? What other ways can make a child feel more comfortable with what may happen with potty training? Yeah. So ultimately kids that are resistant to something are just kind of trying to maintain some level of control over a situation from what I found. So any way that you're allowed, that you're able to kind of allow them to feel some sort of control as, you know, allow it to feel as though something that, it, that you're doing with them as opposed to something you're doing to them um, so that they feel involved in the process. So you can kind of take them shopping, maybe not right now with COVID, but take them shopping or or look online and let them choose some of their potty supplies, let them choose their own underwear. Um, those kinds of things will help them feel included in the process and they'll be more likely to, to use those things properly if they've chosen them themselves. They'll have that sense of ownership. Um, and also uh, playing, like pretend play is a really great way to introduce the concept of potty training because it allows your child to be the teacher um, you know, so you can take their favorite dolls or toys or um, whatever and have the child kind of teach them how to use the potty. And um, that can be a really great way because kids learn so well through play and um, and it and it's them being in control of the situation as opposed to you being in control of them with their potty use. So kind of using that in that phase where you're building up to potty use can be really helpful as well.
No, that's a great point. And one of the common things that I see is if children become fearful of the toilet, uh, they can start to withhold their poop. And that's a whole other issue, like I mentioned earlier. But in the immediate moment where a child is really upset on the toilet, what would a parent do in that situation? Yeah. So if you can tell that your child is like really afraid and, you know, you're their parent, you know, um, you know, they, they may be they may have that just look of terror in their eyes. They may be clinging at you, um, refusing to sit on the potty, crying, all those kinds of things. If they're exhibiting that kind of behavior, you definitely don't want to force them to sit on the potty. If they're already on the potty, you can remove them from the potty um, just because you don't want to traumatize them. You know, you don't want each subsequent attempt then at potty training to be connected to this negative um, experience. So that that's, it sounds simple, but that's kind of the easiest solution in the moment is to just remove them from the potty, try to distract them with something else for a bit and get them relaxed again, and then maybe try again in a little while. And I have a feeling in your practice, you also, you probably um, take care of some families that are dealing with stool withholding in children, correct? Quite often, unfortunately, yeah. Um, you know, and that usually tends to just stem from uh, that kind of fear of the unknown. You know, they've only ever pooped in diapers their whole lives, and uh, they've they've never had an issue with it. You know, and um, when you're when you remove the diaper and expect them to poop in the potty instead, it it can be quite a, a fearful experience for them because um, when they've pooped in their diapers is gross as all this is going to sound. Um, you know, when they poop in their diapers, it comes out, it stays right up against their body and they kind of start to connect it to being a part of their body in some ways. So when they poop on the potty and it comes out and away from them, uh, you know, it can almost feel as though like part of their body is falling out and it can be a really frightening, um, experience to, to overcome that. So some kids will just kind of clamp up and start to withhold altogether and say, you know, nope, I'm not going to poop unless, you know, maybe sometimes they save it until they get their nighttime diapers on or whatever, but withholding ultimately always leads to constipation, unfortunately. And that can, you know, cause, cause other problems with potty training down the road too. Yeah. And usually if we're dealing with withholding from the medical aspect, we talk about treating the constipation so that we can also help it that they'll actually want to use the poop. Because if you're constipated, you're also going to have fear of pushing that out because it hurts. So it hurts. it's this vicious yeah. cycle, you know, still withholding is a cycle of you don't want to poop because you don't poop. You hold the poop in, it loses mm -hmm. water, it becomes hard, and then they're constipated and then they don't want to poop. And so um, I think the comment that you made of the no pressuring and the sort of understanding that, hey, if they're not really feeling it, we have to either prepare themselves, um, prepare them for it rather than pressure is a really important concept. And sometimes it happens, you know, sometimes you were doing all the, you know, easy breezy, I'm going to try to stay calm with the potty training. And sometimes they withhold and then you have your resources like Allison or your pediatrician or other resources to help you, you know, navigate that new, that new phase that you may be going through. Yeah, exactly. And I always tell parents too, that if, if the child ever has had a history of withholding or with constipation, even before you've started potty training, then it's probably a pretty good idea to talk to your child's doctor um, and maybe get some kind of proactive measures in place before you start potty training to hopefully prevent any constipation from occurring before it gets a chance to start. I think that's a great idea. I think that's something that Usually you can even start talking to your pediatrician about at the 18 month to your visit, because even if you're potty training a little bit later, you know, after two years, 
we often do see a lot of that toddler constipation start, uh, you know, by the 18 month visit. It can happen after too, but I think it's always a great idea just to say, Hey, I know it might be a little early, but you know, what are your basic tips on potty training? And my child is dealing with this constipation bout. What are your thoughts? And I think that's such a great point. What do you think the biggest mistake parents are making when approaching potty training? Um, so I think most parents are waiting a little bit too long, um, to start potty training. And I know that there's a lot of jargon out there that, you know, just wait until they're ready. And, um, there's, there's not a whole lot of clarity on what that actually means, because I think some parents may take that a little bit too literally. I think they may be kind of waiting for their child to say that they want to start potty training, um, which isn't necessarily the case. So um, typically in most cases, and, you know, of course it's never black and white, but um, waiting, you know, until that three year, three and a half year mark to start potty training uh, can really introduce some other challenges that you may have been able to avoid if you would have started earlier because, um, you know, kids, they always talk about terrible twos, but the the three the three nagers kind of take the cake um, when yeah. it comes to behavior problems so you know at that point kids have really started to to realize that they are separate humans from you and that they can um exert their independence and you know they will really let you know if there's something that they don't like to do and they also tend to get more kind of ingrained in their habits and ingrained in their routine and when you try to change that up at three years old um, it causes a lot more resistance typically so um, I think if parents were to start a bit earlier and not feel guilty about taking the lead on potty training if their kiddo hasn't necessarily come out and, and expressed interest necessarily in the potty yet then um, then they might be a lot better off no, this is great. And I think, you know, your concept that you mentioned earlier about talking about all this, you know, it may seem a little weird talking about how poop is part of their body. So when it's finally leaving them, it, it's really weird for them. I think this is important for us to talk about because children have these fears and it's not irrational, it's fears and it's there. And sometimes they're scared of the poop being out of them. Sometimes they're afraid, like we mentioned earlier, of the poop splashing in the toilet. And sometimes they're afraid of the flush. Uh, you know, they mm -hmm. don't like the sounds or it's something new to them. So it's really understanding that this poop talk is really important. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's definitely something that I think, um, I mean, like in my generation with my parents growing up, poop wasn't really something you talked about. You know, it was something that you kept private. Um, but the reality is we all do it. And um, by I think by not talking about it, it can kind of give our kids the false impression that it's something negative. And really, it's not. So I think we need to um, start from a very young age praising our kids for pooping, even before you've started potty training, you know, um, and talk about how it's healthy and it makes your body feel better when you go and those kinds of things instead of referring to it as stinky or dirty and um, which can kind of resonate with some kids and then they get this negative impression and then they don't want to poop when it comes time <laughs> to, to actually need to go. That's a great tip. And like you said, everything can start a little bit earlier, even if the process is not starting officially until, you know, the toddler years or two years old, um, you know, priming them basically. And even if you're not in the throes of potty training, these little things, you know, how you introduce them to the potty, even just having it 
in the bathroom before you even start to actually train them um, can be really helpful. What are some other tips, you know, trying to prepare them for the potty training in terms of you mentioned books and talking to them about it? What would be kind of like the first day if like a parent was going to do more of a gradual method? What would that kind of look like for a, a family? Yeah. So if you're just getting started, then I would recommend um, getting some books from the library probably would be my first step about potty training. And um, as you're reading through them with your kiddo, kind of start, you know, asking them questions and, um, you know, seeing how much they know about it already, because they may know more than you think just from seeing you in the bathroom and things like that. So that's a really good way to get the, get, you know, get the conversation started, if you will, about potty training. And then, you know, eventually you can say, how would, you know, how would you feel about using the potty? Like, how would that make you feel? And get, you know, get a feel from them on, on what they think about it. Um, and that can kind of help you kind of guide the way that you're going to, approach things if they're like oh i would love to use the potty then you can be like okay well do you want to do you want to give it a try right now because mommy kind of has to go and you could take a turn after me um or something like that you know just to kind of spark the conversation if they're like eh, i don't want to use it or if they're really resistant like no i don't want to use the potty um then you know that it's probably going to be a bit more of a process before they're um on board to actually start so that would kind of be my first suggestion would be to start with some books because it's a really great way for kids to to learn and get familiar with new ideas. Awesome. And then in terms of like that other question I had about like day one, what would that look like if we're, you know, trying to train them? What would be kind of an example? So, um, so I would suggest having some bottomless time for sure, because that anytime your child has a diaper on and unfortunately, I mean, maybe not unfortunately, but, um, diaper technology nowadays is so good that, um, they don't even get a chance to feel wetness and realize that they're peeing most of the time. So, uh, you know, when they're actually going, so having them be bottomless and having that definitive, um, break of nothing on their bottom. So no underwear, nothing to be confused with a diaper, um, just really helps them build that body awareness and, uh, start to recognize the signals that are happening, the cause and effect, um, of, oh, I had this, kind of tickling feeling in my tummy and then pee started to come out. Um, the accidents are really apparent to them and uh, they they can see that really clearly. And also you as the parent can see that really clearly as soon as it starts happening so that you have the opportunity to, uh, to catch some pee in the potty and help them see, okay, you know, nothing scary happens when pee goes in the potty and, and this is where pee belongs and all of those kinds of things. And then you'll see the gears turning and you'll start to see, um, you know, pieces connecting together and you don't necessarily have to do multiple days in a row of that kind of thing. You can do it on, you know, a, a few weekends and just practice and, and let them get some practice in. So if you're doing that more gradual approach, you don't necessarily have to, um, you don't necessarily have to stick with it right away, but letting them get that practice in every so often, uh, will really help. And you should start to see, you should start to see some progress from there. Oh, that's great. And, you know, what you do, your work is so important. And when do you think a family should seek out the help of, you know, a potty training consultant or get more help? Is it, is there a certain red flag that says, okay, we need to, we need to intervene or is it just dependent on family? Yeah, so it's dependent on family. You know, I think it's kind of similar to how people would handle um, working with a sleep consultant or mm -hmm. something like that. So um, you, most of my clients will contact me when they've experienced some sort of difficulty with potty training or perhaps they have, um, 
you know, a special needs type situation or something like that. But a lot of parents will also contact me before they even start to ensure that they have a solid plan in place that's going to work for their family and to know that they have um, that they have me there for support if something happens to not go the way it should and they can um, you know, get back on track right away without having to stop and restart some some months later or something like that. And tell me more about your services. Um, you know, obviously, I'm going to be attaching your Instagram page to my show notes. But for everyone listening, um, if they want to contact you, uh, where are you practicing? Is it open to everywhere in the country? And what are some uh, more information about your services? Yeah, sure. So, um, yes, actually, we, um, me and my team, I have a team of um, seven consultants now, and we service the whole world, proud to say. Um, we have even two consultants overseas, one in Germany and one in Japan. And um, we are offering one-on-one consultation services via phone, email, or we have fully customized consultation packages as well, which come with like unlimited support options so that you have us by your side for as long as you need help. Um, you can reach out to us uh, through the website, you know, whether you have problems or whether you just want help from the get-go or if you have you know, just a, a quick question on something we can we can assist. I also have some online courses for people that um, just need more general help that don't necessarily need that personalized touch. Um, you can find those on my website as well. And um, I have a lot of free resources on my Instagram page, so you can check those out. And I also have um, a free tip sheet there at the link in my bio that anyone can go grab if if they're interested. Yeah, and such a great source of information. I mean, your Instagram has just great great basic tips. Um, so whatever anyone is looking for, whether it's something just oh I need help with one thing or you know more detailed plans, uh, your website and your Instagram covers it all. Uh, what would be your final message for everyone listening? My final message to parents is to uh, you have to prepare yourself for potty training too, because you have to recognize that it's not just a change for your child. It's kind of a change for the whole family. And you definitely shouldn't feel bad or guilty if you feel like something's not working or something's not clicking with your child. Um, there's always support out there if you need it. And you know, the age or time it takes for your child to potty train is never a reflection on your parenting because every child is different. So just keep that in mind. Mentally prepare yourself for the process and the changes before you get started and, uh, you know, have that support system around you and it can really take you uh, take you a long way. I agree with that completely. And what you said about the fact that it's not, it's not a reflection of your parenting. I've had so many parents come in and they have a pressure of their child starting, you know, uh, pre-K, like, or basically they're going into the the school as a three-year-old mm -hmm. and the school is requiring them to be potty trained and the parents are trying and it's not working for that child and they're so stressed. And then finally they, they do get it, but it's this sort of pressure that they sometimes feel from the schools or from someone saying that, well, why isn't your child potty trained? And sometimes you either just need to find the right way to do it. Sometimes you just need to have the motivation and the support to do it. Um, but it's not your fault if it's later. It's not your fault if you didn't know when and how to do it. This is why these resources are available. 
So Allison, I'm just so grateful for you for coming on this episode today so that we can talk all about this because I think it's going to be super helpful. And like I said, everyone, I'll be attaching um, her information on my show notes. Thanks again, Allison, for joining us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It was a great time. Thank you for tuning in for this week's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As always, please leave a review, share it with a friend, comment on my social media. And if you're not already, follow me at Pete's Doc Talk on Instagram. Love doing this for all of you. Have a great rest of your week. Take care. Talk to you soon. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.